Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Amen. Well, it is a summer Sunday. And because it's a summer Sunday, we're in our summer series, which is called summer road trip. All summer long, we've been looking at uh, stories in scripture that happened on the road to somewhere, that happened on the journey to where we're going. And I think it's acted for me as a metaphor of what life sort of feels like, specifically the faith aspect of our life, that most of the greatest things just happen on the way. Most of the, the really precious things aren't in the destination. Like I finally reached that goal or I finally achieved that thing. It's the precious real life memories that happen on the way. And, and what you're going to find as you begin to look in scriptures, all through scripture, God is meeting with people on the way because he's on the move. And when we start going in his direction, God meets us there. I've so enjoyed and been blessed by hearing from some of our team as well. If you love that, come on, if you love that, throw it in the chat. It's been great to hear from some of our other pastors on our team as we are in this summer road trip together. And I hope it has facilitated connection for you, even if you find yourself up at the cottage or out at the lake or doing something different this summer, that you have been able to continually feel connected. Well, because it's a summer Sunday, like I said, we're going to talk about another road trip. This specific road is the road to Damascus. And if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is Do You Know The Way? Can you write that down? If you take notes, Do You Know The Way? I'm going to pray as we uh, read this scripture, and then we're going to unpack just a few thoughts that help us answer that question, do you know the way? Jesus, could you speak to us today? I'm opening the word, and I'm expecting, even as it is promised, that when the word is spoken, it doesn't return void. So do something effective with it in my life as I speak, and in those who are listening as they engage in this, and they lean in, and they're asking you to, to speak to them. Holy Spirit, we invite you that the words that are remembered today wouldn't just be my thoughts, but they would be your thoughts, which are way higher and way better in your name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 9, if you have a Bible, turn there with me. Acts chapter 9, the story of the road to Damascus. I'm going to read the story and then pull out four questions for us, okay, or four thoughts that we can ponder today. Check this out. Verse 1, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he would take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on the journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus, whom you persecuted. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind. He didn't eat. And he didn't drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, Ananias answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. 
In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him so his sight is restored. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord answered, Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much... He must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and he entered it. He placed his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. That was a pretty long story. Good job. We got through that. Now, you might be asking yourself and wondering why in such a short section of the Bible, the book of Acts, which is not very long, but kind of lays out and articulates the early church's origin story. Why was so much time dedicated to this one man, Saul? Why so much effort and energy on one man named Saul? Well, here's the reason. Number one is that God loves individuals. He loves individuals. He's not just looking for the biggest story of the biggest crowd, but he loves people and he calls them by name. The same is true for you. You might feel like you're sort of insignificant, but God loves you. God knows you. God's calling you. Second reason, very simply, is this, that Saul would later be referred to as Paul. And Paul, Paul kind of was a really integral part of the beginning of the church. Paul is the one who planted churches all across the known world. Paul is the one who wrote the vast majority of the New Testament. And so to understand the story of the church, you need to understand the story of of Paul. And in the same manner, for us to understand the story of what Jesus is doing on the planet right now, what he's doing in Vivid Church right now, people will always be at the center of that story. It's not just organizational moves. Then God made this organizational structural change. It's God uses people to do what he's he's planning and intending to do on the planet. So this story of Paul or Saul is really a story of you and I as well. This is is predictive of the type of ways that God speaks to individuals and meets with them on their journey. And so I want to highlight a few things that would be true of, of myself and of you and of anyone who might be watching, just as they were true of Saul. Is that cool? Now, now you need to know, contextually, Saul, at that point in time, was exceedingly passionate about doing the right thing. He, he had a wrong perspective of what the right thing was, but he really, truly cared. It wasn't just that he was lazing about his life. He had this purposed intention to persecute those who were followers of the way. Now, what is the way? Great question. At that point in time, Christians were referred to as the way, followers of the way. They were following the way of Jesus. They would later in the city of Antioch become known as Christians or little versions of Christ, little reflections of Christ. But at that point, if you followed the teachings of Jesus, you were referred to as a member of the way. And Saul had made a name for himself in the city of Jerusalem as being exceedingly passionate about persecuting those who followed the way. So it was Saul who was an attendant when Stephen was martyred and they stoned him to death. It was Saul who was standing there going, this is good. We're doing the right thing. God is really pleased right now. It was Saul who breathed murderous threats to anyone who believed in the way. You get this implication that he went door to door trying to seek out, hey, do you know any neighbors who seem to follow the way? Because if you know them, give me the information. I'm going to go find them. He imprisoned men and women. I think the fact that they point out it wasn't just 
him looking for people of political significance to try to thwart the, the movement of, of the way or the movement of the church. This was Paul having a vendetta against anyone who dared to believe differently than him. He wasn't a good dude. Like, like he, he was doing all these things with the wrong motives. And I think for a lot of people, we can look around life and say, man, that guy right there, great guy. I've heard that so many times when people go, you know what? Great guy, but, and then they go on to explain all these things that would kind of not seem like a great guy. It's like the bar for great is pretty low for a lot of people. And, and yet I think most people at the core are trying their best. Most people are, are actually trying to be the best version of what they think the best is. Certainly that was true of Saul. But he was so passionate, so exceedingly passionate about this persecution that he actually went to the high priest in Jerusalem and said, I've kind of, you know, really saturated this market. I want to grow my empire. I want to grow the expansion of my persecution. Can you give me a letter to go to Damascus with? And Damascus was 210 kilometers away. They would say in that time, it was probably about a six day journey. In other words, the church was spreading and spreading fast. And Paul was doing his best, or Saul at that time, doing his best to keep up with the growth of the church. You know, no matter how fast ideological ideas are spreading, and in our world, it feels like they're going that fast. That an idea that maybe started somewhere gets shared around on social media and becomes part of the zeitgeist just immediately. But no matter how fast ideas grow, the church is growing faster. No matter how fast ideologies are growing or or generations are changing the way they're thinking, you need to know that God's on the move. And so the church had already grown beyond the, the passionate zeal of people like Saul. So much so that 200 kilometers away, there was a group of people believing. And Saul said, I want to go after them as well. Well, of course, the high priest was happy to oblige because they were trying politically to eliminate the influence that followers of the way had. Does that help? Just contextually kind of sets the scene, okay? So here's Saul. He's brought some, some you know, bros with him, some guys who are going to help intimidate, uh, I guess, his lackeys. They're on their way to Damascus, and somewhere along the way, uh, later on when he tells this story in Acts 22, it seems like it was pretty close to Damascus. They'd already come a long way on that journey. Somewhere along the way, he stopped in his tracks. He's blinded by a light, and he hears a voice. The first thing you need to know, if I'm asking you this question, do you know the way? Do you know the way God has for you? Do you know the way he's leading you? Do you know the purpose he has for your life? The first thing that you need to know is this, that God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where you are in your life journey. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel confused. Or maybe you, like Saul, feel like you are living your best life already. But God, he knows exactly where you are. Let me show you that in scripture. Job 34, if you have a Bible, Job 34 and uh, in verse 21. I'll check this out. Job 34 and 21, describing the omniscience and omnipresence of God. It says this. Should have put a bookmark. Here we go. Job 34, 21. It says, God's eyes are on the ways of mortals. He sees their every step. Now, you might find that really good news. You might find that really bad news. But the truth is God knows exactly where you are. Right now in your life journey, God knows exactly where you are. And even if you are against God, God is still for you. I don't think you could be more against God than Saul was. 
Saul was actively doing what he could to stop people from believing in God. And here's God still for Saul. God is so for you that at times he makes your way difficult because you're going the wrong way. God is so for you that even when you're going the right way, he can realign your purpose and your motivation to make it right. Because that's true, isn't it? Sometimes we're going the right way for the wrong reasons. Like sometimes people think what God wants most is passion. And so they get really super passionate and their passion becomes kind of like a distraction to their real purpose. Does that make sense? Like people go, God, you know, I should sacrifice. God wants, wants me to prove it. And so they, they seek out the hardest pathway to get somewhere to try to prove something to God. And the Bible says, oh, no, no, God wants obedience, not sacrifice. He actually just wants you to go the right way with this heart of love to be obedient and to follow him. So here's Saul. He's actually, in some ways, going the right way towards his destiny, but he's going there with the wrong motive. His motive is to destroy people of God. God's plan for him, which is always better than our plan, is to meet him in, the, in his pathway and to, to rescue him. Friend, even if you feel like you're against God right now, he's still for you. He's still on your side. But I think we ought to ask like, am I going the right way? And if so, am I going for the right reasons? And if I don't know which way I'm going, I can still rest assured that God knows exactly where I am. I can't tell you how many times I've had a phone call from someone saying, hey, uh, I'm just a few minutes away. Can I get like some exact directions? You ever had that phone call? Like right now as a church, we're trying to find different locations to do different things. Worship nights in different spaces here in Vancouver, in Toronto. We're looking for different places, different venues. And generally speaking, you, you throw it up on a map and you're like, oh, I know where that is. But someone goes, hey, I'm just trying to find where I'm at. The first question when I'm on a phone and someone goes, hey, where's the place again? I have to know, like, well, where are you at right now? Because I can't say, well, turn left and then right and then go straight for a while unless I know where you're at. But even when we don't know where we are, God knows. God sees. And in that seeing, he can guide us in our pathway. It's such a reassuring thought that no matter how lost you might feel right now, God knows exactly where you're at. Number two, the second thing you need to know is it's okay to ask for directions. It's okay. Ask some good questions. Don't be that person who ignorantly misses the mark because you're not willing to ask a question. Well, what questions did Saul ask? Let me show you. Number one, he asked this question, who are you? Friends, there's no greater question you could ask than Jesus, who are you? Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, God, I want to understand you. So he says, who are you? He hears a voice, but he's not sure where the voice came from. Now, the rabbinic teaching of that time, which Paul was well-versed in, he, he studied under a one of the leading teachers or rabbis of the time. His name was Gamaliel. And the, the rabbinic thought was this, that nobody could hear the audible voice of God. In fact, they say anyone who heard anything, what they would hear from God was only things he had spoken hundreds of years earlier. And they called that echo effect the daughter of the voice of God. So Saul would have believed and taught that nobody hears God's voice audibly. And if you do hear God's voice audibly, you're only hearing something he told like back in Moses' time or something he said to Samuel and because God is so omnipresent that it, his voice continues to echo through the ages. But what does he hear God say? Saul, Saul. He's speaking exactly to his situation, exactly where he's at. You need to know this. God has something to speak exactly to where you're at right now. You say, well, pastor, I'm in the middle of grief. Guess what? God wants to speak exactly into your grief right now. Oh, I'm in this 
time of real decision. Awesome. God has wisdom exactly for the, the wisdom, uh, the decision you're making right now. Man, I need more clarity on my purpose. God has exact information about clarity for your purpose. I need just some, some more grace for the people in my life. God has exact information for what you need. And so he speaks exactly to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul asks a really great question. Who are you? God is so loving and kind that he doesn't play games. He's, he's not trying to trick Saul into believing him. He just outright says, oh, I'm Jesus. I'm the one that you're persecuting. And then, then Saul actually asks the second question. You might stop and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where exactly does he ask the second question? You know what? I'm going to have to take you to another scripture to show you that. Because Saul later retells this story and he tells it with more detail. I guess all of us have the right to tell a longer or shorter version of our life story, don't we? In fact, I think all of us should have a shorter and a longer version of our testimony ready to go. How do you know Jesus is real? Well, he rescued me from a life of addiction. End of story. How do you know Jesus is real? Do you have some time? Let me tell you the longer version. That I think is really wise. So Saul here is telling the short version. And then we see in Acts chapter 22, he tells a little bit of a longer version. Let me just point your attention there quickly. In verse six, he says, about noon, I came near Damascus and suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Same story. Who are you, Lord? I asked. I'm Jesus of Nazareth, the one that you're persecuting. My companions saw the light, but they couldn't hear or understand the voice that was speaking to me. Then I asked, what shall I do, Lord? Okay, it's so good and so crucial that we ask good questions. You've heard it said before, but, but it really could not possibly be truer. There are no stupid questions. Ask the question, ask for direction. Saul says, if it's true, that I'm listening to Jesus. If it's true that this is not just the daughter of the voice of God echoing through the ages, but God is speaking to me right now, then it's also true that I should do whatever he says, that God probably has a direct purpose in mind. Do you know God's purpose for your life is not just to show up and prove he's real, and, and then that's it. God actually wants you to do something. He has a step for you to take. And there's, there's people sometimes like, man, I just feel like my relationship with God, like I'm just not feeling it the way I used to. We'll, we'll ask some good questions. God, what do you want me to do? What direction do you have for me to take? If I'm asking you the question, do you know the way? Because God actually has a way planned out for you. And the Bible says his ways are better than our ways. Then you need to know, firstly, that God knows exactly where you're at. And secondly, ask some good questions. Ask for direction. Well, God gives him some direction. He says, here's what I want you to do. Go to Damascus and wait for a man named Ananias. And so he opens his eyes only to find that he can't see. And he is, is led to Damascus. So the third thing that you need to know is there are no shortcuts. To the way that God wants to take you, there are no shortcuts. Imagine how weird this story would get if it was like, God, Saul's on his way to Damascus. It's been a six-day journey. A light appears from heaven. A voice comes from heaven. Saul goes, who are you? I'm Jesus. What do you want me to do? Go to Damascus. So then Saul turned around and went back to Jerusalem. Well, the story would end really different, wouldn't it? He had to follow directions. In fact, the directions he had to follow got so specific 
that he needed his lackeys to lead him by the hand. I just, I think probably the type of guys you take to break some kneecaps and intimidate some people are maybe not the most gentle people. And here's Saul having to be led, you know, can you take my hand? I don't want to trip over anything on the street. And he had to be led and they're going, dude, you're our leader. Like you were the one who were following to do this like intimidation. And now this weird thing happened. We saw it, but couldn't really understand what was going on. You say you've heard from Jesus. Isn't he the guy who died in Jerusalem like months or a couple of years ago, somewhere in that vicinity? And they're leading him by the hand to a place on Straight Street, uh, uh, the house of Judas. I think it's just funny coincidence or it's God's purpose that it was called Straight Street. Because check it out. The, the, the road from here to there, you just have to, to take a straight line to obedience can't deviate. There's no shortcuts. It's just a straight line. Obedience is just a straight line. You got like the, the most, the quickest way into your destiny is not to try to find a back door. Just follow exactly what Jesus says. Just obeying it. And a lot of people say that, that it's a risk, that following God involves some risk and faith is a risk. And yes and no, I get what you're saying. It feels like a risk, but when you're obeying, there's really no risk involved. It's only risky when you stop obeying. Like, like when you're in the center of God's will and he's got you where he wants you, the, the, the most dangerous thing to do would be to disobey. The safest thing to do is to obey. So here's Saul being led by the hand to the house of Judas on straight street. There are no shortcuts. And for Saul, even when he obeyed, he still had to wait. I'm gonna pause there. I'm gonna let you think about that for a minute. Because some of us have questioned if the reason we're waiting is because we were doing something wrong. Even though he obeyed, he still had to wait. One day, two days, three days. He's not eating, he's not drinking, he's beside himself, he's trying to process and he can't see anything. He, he's trying to grapple with, I know I heard something. Have you ever had like something happen in your life and then later on you're like, did that really happen? Well, well, that's Saul. He's going, that really happened, right? Like I really got knocked on the ground from a bright light and I really heard a voice and the voice really knew my name and identified itself as Jesus. And then, oh yeah, when I open my eyes, I still can't see. That really happened. Even though Saul obeyed, he still had to wait. In my life, almost exclusively, I have found that even when I obey, I still have to wait. Because obedience isn't even a shortcut. Obedience is just the right way. God's timing is perfect. So he gets there, he's waiting. And then the fourth thing I wanna point out, which is good for literally every person who's listening right now, is that on this journey, you're not alone. On this journey, you're not alone. Where God's taking you is not into loneliness. Where God's taking you is into fellowship. It's with people, in 1 John it says this, when you walk in the light, you have fellowship with one another. When you walk in the purposes God has for you, you have fellowship. Now, I get what people say. Sometimes doing the right thing is lonely. True. Over the short term. Very true. This three days was probably really lonely for Saul. He's the only one who can't see. He's asking the guys who are leading him by the hand, can you see things? They're like, yeah, we still see. Did you hear that? They're like, no, we couldn't understand. We just, you fell over and we saw a light. But after you tried to open your eyes, you can still see. Yeah, we still see. Well, do my eyes look normal? No, they look like they have scales on them. And so probably short term, it felt very lonely. But long term, God was preparing him for fellowship. 
in the, in the form of a man named Ananias. Now check it out. Ananias is in the same city and God speaks to him and says, hey, Ananias, I got a plan for you. Ananias is a disciple. He, he, he's following the way. He knows what God's voice sounds like. So his answer, yes, Lord, what is it? Oh, here's my purpose for you. Go find this guy named Saul because he's been praying and I told him you're coming. Like, isn't that crazy? God kind of voluntolds him. <laughs> he volunteers him. He's like, oh yeah, my guy Ananias, he's super obedient. He'll come. Saul, just wait. Chill here. Ananias is on the way. And, and even though Saul can't see it, says he has a vision of Ananias. I just find humor in, in what's taking place here. God shows up to Ananias and says, Ananias, now I've got something for you to do. Go find Saul and pray for him because he is my instrument to change the world. Now, what's kind of cool is that sometimes God reveals the purpose for your life to someone else. Sometimes others know more details about your future than you do. And you feel like I'm still in the dark about what God has for my future. But there's someone in your world who sees something in you before you see it. Maybe it's been a parent. Maybe it's been a, a mentor. Maybe a teacher. Maybe somebody who's spoken vision into your life before you could even see it for yourself. Well, there's Ananias. And Ananias, again, he goes, this feels risky. But obedience is not risk. And he comes to Saul and he finds him, sure enough, at Judas's house on Straight Street. And the way he, he interacts with him is this, brother Saul. Isn't that cool? That immediately, like Saul had lackeys and he had enemies. And he had people like the high priest that he was trying to impress. And he had mentors like Gamaliel that, that he was looking up to. But when he found Jesus, he found a brother. When he found Jesus, he found family. And, and Ananias would have every reason on earth to be intimidated by or scared by, by Saul. But instead, he, he comes in and he approaches him. He says, brother Saul. He touches his eyes. Scales fall from his eyes. He began to see the first thing that Saul saw in his Christian walk, in his moment of conversion, the first thing that he saw was a brother. The first thing that he saw was, was a loving fellowship. Check this out. Ananias was the type of guy that Saul was looking for, but he was looking for him for all the wrong reasons. He's the type of guy that, that like Saul would have still had on his person a letter saying, if you find a Christian like Ananias, bring him here, walk him back six days so we can put him in jail in Jerusalem. But he opens his eyes and he sees that same person with a new perspective. Instead of seeing an enemy, he sees a friend. And that's what unity does. God has called us out of enmity, out of, out of lostness and darkness into the light together. So we get fellowship together. And the reason this applies to literally every person who's watching right now is maybe you're like Saul and you need to know you're not alone in this. There's someone like Ananias just waiting to speak into your life. Or maybe you say, well, Pastor Justin, I've been following God for a long time. I don't, don't even feel that alone. Well, just open your ears and listen, because God may be wanting to use you to be that invitation to someone else, to bring them into family as well. In this story, we see what it looks like to find our way. In this story, we see what it looks like, the, the slight difference between lostness and foundness. He's on his way to Damascus with the wrong reasons, and God has a purpose in mind for him there. So just to highlight one more time, in your journey, God knows exactly where you are, it's good to ask for directions. There are no shortcuts. And on this journey, you're not alone. If you're choosing loneliness as an act of holiness, I think you're doing it wrong. 
You need to find some fellowship with people and make the commitment, we're gonna do this thing together. I wanna pray for you. I believe there'd be some who are watching right now, you don't know Jesus as your savior. And maybe today is like the Damascus road for you. Maybe this is your road trip. That, that for some reason you're watching this on YouTube, for some reason you're at a house party watching with some people and, and you go, wait a minute, I have not really stopped to consider if I'm actually going towards Jesus or I'm just going my own way. Maybe this for you feels as significant as a brilliant light from heaven speaking to your situation. Whatever your name is, God knows it. And I really think he might be speaking it to your heart right now. And the Bible says if God speaks to your heart, answer him and he will come into your life, forgive you of your sins and lead you into your purpose. Can I pray for you for that? In fact, if that's you right now, let me, let me pray in faith. You could join your faith with me and pray this type of prayer and God hears you, forgives you, and, and sets you on a new path, the way. Jesus, we acknowledge right now how much we need you. We acknowledge the sin in our lives and our brokenness. And I ask along with those whose hearts maybe for the very first time are softening to you that you would take us as we are, forgive our sins, and, and move us forward in your grace into purpose and love and relationship in your name. Amen. Amen. I also want to pray for this because in Acts chapter uh, 22, this great description, Paul tells his story in Acts 22 and, and then furthermore again in Acts uh, 26. He's telling his testimony all the time because testimonies are good. So in Acts 26, when he's speaking, he says this, check it out. He gives the same kind of story, verse 16 of Acts 26. He says, uh, when speaking uh, to Paul, he says, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you and I've appointed you as a servant and as a witness to what you have seen and what you will see of me. I'll rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. I really believe no matter who you are right now, God has a purpose in your life that your story is gonna open the eyes of others. And so maybe for a moment, let me be like Ananias to you and remind you, brother, sister, I'm here for a reason to remind you that God has purpose for your life, to open your eyes and give you some vision to see that this whole thing that's taking place in your life is not just for you, it's for others. There's people in your world who need to see it. And let me pray a prayer of faith into your life that you would be spurred forward in that type of purpose. God, use us, I pray. Use us like Ananias to speak life into the people around us. Use us like Saul, who would later be called Paul, to share our story in both long form and short form. Use us, God, to be witnesses of what we have seen and what we will see. And I pray that for the people in our world, that when they come in contact with us, that they would find their eyes open to see you for who you are. Help us all to reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. We ask this in your name. And if you got faith in your heart, would you say a big amen with me? Awesome. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.